You're listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Um, there was a little boy that, that wanted a watch very badly for Christmas, and each day that boy asked his, his parents for the watch. He said, uh, Dad, can, can I have a, a watch? And Dad would just kind of shoo him off, and then he would turn to his mom and say, Mom, can I, can I get a watch? I really want a watch. And every time he opened his mouth, he was asking again and talking about this watch that he wanted for Christmas. And finally, the boy's father told him, he said, Listen, if you mention watch one more time, you're not getting one. Don't let me hear it come out of your mouth again. If, if I hear watch come out of your mouth one more time, you're not getting it. So the boy kept quiet all through the rest of December and he waited until a Christmas Eve dinner. And it was there that night that um, every night before supper, some member of the family would repeat a Bible verse and, and then pray for the food. And, and the boy was eager to share his verse. It was his turn. It was, it was, he wanted to share his verse. And so he had memorized a verse that day. And so just before they prayed, he recited Mark 13 and 37, which says, What I say to you, I say to everyone, Watch. Oh, look at somebody and say, watch. Today we begin a two-week series called Awaiting Advent, Awaiting Advent. And as was mentioned earlier with the lighting of the first candle, the word Advent means coming or the arrival of. Uh, it signifies the anticipation of the start of something or the arrival of an individual. And in order to fully understand Advent, we must appreciate the waiting that is involved with it. Because that's really what, what Advent is all about. It's, it's about the, the waiting for that promise. So to help us understand it, I got to thinking about it and, and just coming through some comparisons in my mind, I, 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 th I thought about this. It, it's like sitting in a, in a restaurant waiting on that blind date to arrive. And there's this excitement. There's anxiety. There's anticipation. You know, will, will she like me? Will he like what I'm wearing? Um, what, what are we going to talk about? And so there's this anticipation that comes with that. Um, or, or it's like that groom that's standing at the altar waiting on the doors to open so that he can see his bride. Mandy and I were privileged to view our daughter and her new husband's first touch video where they stood around the corner from each other, not being able to see each other, but just to extend their hands and just have that first touch before their wedding. And it was there where Pastor Andrew met with them and, and he joined hands with them and he prayed for them. And watching this video, Mandy and I just got emotional, man. It was, it was a, a, an amazing video. They were mic'd up and you could hear everything that they were saying. And after the prayer, the conversation their conversation with each other was one of the most beautiful, like straight out of a Hallmark movie moments that I've ever seen in my life. And I told Mandy, I said, this is like a movie script. This thing is crazy. And I'm not going into the details because it was a private moment for them, but, but you could hear it in their voices as they express the anticipation of the day. Like they couldn't wait to see each other. Or maybe you could compare it, compare Advent to new parents waiting on the arrival of a newborn baby. Because there's an expectation that's involved with the arrival of a newborn baby. We even say that the mom is expecting. Um, there's a book and even a movie called What to Expect When You're Expecting. So understand that Advent is meant to be exciting and joyful. It's full of, of, of hopeful anticipation. That's what Advent is. It's, it's hopeful anticipation. So as we go through this Advent season... 
I pray that you too will develop this hopeful anticipation because I believe that that same Jesus that came as a child, I believe that he still meets us right where we're at, right in in the middle of our crisis, right in the middle of our needs. He still meets us. And I also believe that that same Jesus is coming again. This time he's coming as a king. And I believe he's coming to receive his church. And I believe it's going to be soon. Amen? But unfortunately... We're not very good at waiting. We're just not. We, we are naturally impatient people. And, and, and we hate waiting on hold on the telephone. Anybody else in the room, you hate that? Like, I hate that. I hate waiting on, on hold. I do. Um, we hate being behind that driver that's on their cell phone and they're not paying attention to the green light. <laughs> Unless it's us and we're the one on the cell phone. Then we're like, what's wrong? What's like, what? Slow down, slow down. But when we're the person behind them, we're like, go. What's wrong? And we blow the horn. Any, any horn blowers in the room? You... Kendall, you better raise your hand. I know you blow the horn. She's looking away. She's looking the other way. That girl has road rage. We hate waiting in line. We hate waiting in line. My wife and I were, were traveling last weekend through airports to California. It's good to be home. But we were traveling through airports, and, and you have to go through those security lines. And it, it, in Orlando, man, where we were flying out of, it's, it just takes forever. And I don't like going through airport security. I understand how necessary it is, and I'm appreciative of it, okay? So no emails, okay? I get it. I do. I get it. But still, it just takes forever sometimes, right? Oh, I'm the only one that it bothers. Okay. No, you're like, you're, you're the only one crazy enough to go through the airport two days after Thanksgiving. Yeah, I know. When we're at a restaurant, when we're at a restaurant, we hate waiting for our glass to be refilled. How many of you are like this? You're like, I shouldn't even have to ask. They shouldn't, when it's, when it's half empty, they should, you got problems, bro. Your hand's going up way too much. And so many of you, many of you, you, you know, it, it's, it's, it's table rage is what you have. It's like, man, and, and you know it's going to affect their tip. It is. If, if you have to wait, it's going to affect their tip. If the food is taking too long, we hate that waiting. But, but, but let's be honest today, church. Some things in life are much more serious than waiting in line at an airport. It's much more serious than waiting on our drink to be refilled, than waiting at a red light, um, and, and those things that are more serious and more pressing in life, they're just harder to wait on. It's hard for us to wait on them. When, when that biological clock is ticking and we have a hard time waiting on Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, so we end up settling for Mr. or Mrs. Right now, it's tough. When we're longing to have a child, the waiting is extremely hard and frustrating When you have a financial need, waiting on that provision can be tough. And and when we're in need of healing, it it can be agonizing when we are forced to wait on that healing that feels like it's never going to come. But I've come to realize that we learn much more about ourselves during the waiting. It's during the seasons that I don't know what God is up to. And, And I'm praying, God... Come quickly. I need you to invade. I need you to, 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 to get into this space. I need you to fix this situation. I have figured out that it is during those moments of my life that I learn more about myself than any other time in my life. 
Because it's during those moments when true character is revealed. You will find out who you really are when you are having to patiently wait on something that, that you so desperately need. And it's in that waiting that the character is revealed. Your strengths, your weaknesses are revealed when you're waiting. Your patience, your lack of patience, they surface whenever you're forced to wait. And you've heard it said, don't pray for patience. Because the answer to that prayer is often given through opportunities to be patient and wait. It's not like he just gives you patience. He gives you opportunities to learn patience is what happens. So be careful. Don't pray for patience. And today I want us to look at two key individuals. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 2 today. These, these two people that I want to read about today, I believe, are a major part of, of the Christmas story. But you will never find them in a nativity scene. You're not, you're not going to see them. I have a beautiful nativity scene that I set up every year on, on top of my piano. I have a baby grand piano that was given to me years ago. And on top of that, I have this beautiful nativity scene. I'll be posting pictures of it. Just, just be ready. But um, unfortunately, you won't find these two people in that nativity scene. And, and these two people, they got to visit with baby Jesus two years before the wise men. But somehow the wise men squeaked into the nativity scenes. Like, they got in. And, and, and these two people are, are very seldom even mentioned at all, much less in the Christmas story. And in my opinion, they deserve to be mentioned as much or even more than the shepherds or the wise men. Because think about it. The shepherds, they weren't looking for the Christ. They were out tending sheep. They were just doing their job. They were working in the middle of the night tending their sheep when an angelic host showed up and began singing and telling them and prophesying to them about the, the birth being of, of Christ. And, and then the wise men, they weren't looking for the Messiah of Israel. They were not even from Israel. They weren't looking for the Messiah. They were studying the stars. They were looking for signs in the heavens. And so the shepherds were tending their sheep. Wise men were studying astrology. And they make it into the nativity scene, but not these two people. So I've got a problem with it, okay? So there's a chip on my shoulder about this today, if you can't tell. Because if that's you and you're, you're like, yeah, I get it, I get it. They don't need to be in the story. You're what's wrong with America today. <laughs> because you take the glory from the ones that deserve it and distribute it to everyone else. Too political? My bad. My bad. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sort of. All right, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Now, this is the prayer that he prays, church, after he sees baby Jesus. He, he, he says, now I can die in peace. I, I've seen your salvation, Lord. In that child, I've witnessed your salvation which you've prepared for all people. He said he is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Verse 33 says, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall 
and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. And so he's prophetically speaking about what's going to happen 33 years later with, with his death as he dies for the sins of humanity. And he looks at Mary and says, this, this is going to pierce your very soul. It's going to be painful for you, but understand what is being accomplished through his life. Verse 36 says, Anna, a prophet, who was also there in the temple, she was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. So get the picture. As Simeon, who has been waiting for the Christ, waiting for the Messiah, and, and, and had been promised that he wasn't going to die until he laid eyes on him. As he is talking to Mary and Joseph about their child, as he is prophesying to them about his future, Anna walks by, hears the conversation, and, and, and now she has to go and tell everyone that she knows that is waiting. Now, we, we don't think that's a lot of people because you can just tell by their society that, that they were just kind of going through the motions. I, I feel bad for kids growing up in gator country right now. I do. Now, understand, I'm a Florida gator, okay? I'm a gator fan. Um, but unfortunately, our last national championship in football was in 2008, 16 years ago. And for many of us in the room, we remember the glory days because we were alive and well for the 96, the 06, and the 08 national championship teams, okay? Um, we remember Gator greats. We remember Danny Werfel. Anyone, anyone remember Danny Werfel? Redell Anthony? Ike Hilliard? You remember these names? Uh, Percy Harvin? Tim Tebow? You better give just as much love for the next two. Brandon Spikes? Major Wright? These are gator greats, right? I mean, those of us that were alive and, 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 you know, old enough to realize what was happening, these are names that we will never forget. But what this also means is that we have 16-year-olds and younger that they only hear stories of the good old days. Like, they have never experienced a national championship in, in, in gator football. This is painful for some of us in the room right now. I see it on your faces. Robbie, it's going to be okay, friend. I promise you. We're going to live, man. But when I think about some of these people, like your children, like they have never experienced a, a, a national championship in Gator football. And, and, and it seems like ancient history to them. Uh, it, like this is just stuff that they read about. It, it's so far-fetched to them when they look at uh, the current status of our team. And so it, it's tough. Now think about this. After 400 years of radio silence from heaven, because that's the blank page between your Old Testament and your New Testament, that's what it represents, 400 years of silence. I'm certain that many people had given up hope. At, at some point, the stories that you once heard about a coming Messiah, at some point, they become fairy tales if you're not careful. 
God had not spoken. He had not said a word in over 400 years. There were no prophecies going forth. And, and 400 years, church, that's a long time. That's, that's the, the, the uh, equivalent to 20 generations that come and go. 20 generations. Let me tell you what happens over the spread of 20 generations. You lose traditions during that time. Like, you completely lose traditions. Over a 400-year span, the stories will stop be being told. And with no prophecies and no stories to tell, the anticipation of a Messiah that would rescue and redeem Israel was scarce. I, I wonder if, if any of the children that were growing up were hearing any positive stories about the coming Messiah that was going to come and redeem Israel. And for a nation that was under Roman oppression, their only hope was a Messiah. That, that's all that they could hold on to was a Messiah. But no one was awaiting Advent or the arrival of the Christ. And I get it. I get it because things just get lost over time. It's, it's easy to lose hope when there is nothing to show for it, right? But there was a man named Simeon and a woman named Anna who were eagerly awaiting the arrival of the Christ. When nobody else was... These two old people were. They were holding out hope. They were even hanging out around the temple. The Bible says that Anna never left the temple. She stayed there day and night anticipating this. This old man and this old woman were holding out hope for a Messiah. And there's no doubt that they had experienced so much grief in their lives. They're under Roman rule. Uh, they, they, she's been a widow since an early age. And, and, and they've just probably gone through so much life tragedy but God had promised them salvation. There were many nights that seemed hopeless and silent like no one cared. But Simeon and Anna, they, they held on to Old Testament prophecies like Isaiah 7 and 14 that says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. In Micah 5 and 2, they probably knew this, this Old Testament prophecy that said, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. Or, or maybe Isaiah 9 verses 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. We just sang about this a moment ago. And his name shall be called... Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David, <coughs> excuse me, on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and evermore, the zeal of the Lord will, of hosts will do this. I'm sure that Simeon and Anna held on to these prophecies during the darkest of moments and God allowed them to live to see the Messiah be born. Now church, when heaven was silent, these two people still believed. I can't speak for anyone else, but I know that according to scriptures, according to the truth of God's word, when heaven was quiet, these two people were still believing. They were still holding out hope for the Messiah. You know, Silent Night is, is more than just a pretty song that we sing once a year. You know that. Because for many people, it feels like every night is a silent night. Because it feels like every night heaven's not speaking. For some, you've, you've lost hope. You don't even have the strength to pray it anymore. 
Because you have not seen the hand of God move in so long that now you're just hanging on by a thread. You showed up today in hopes that maybe some, something will be said that could rekindle that fire within you of faith. And your silent night may be that there is no Christmas bonus this year. Your silent night might be that there has been no reconciliation to that relationship that matters the most to you. Your silent night may be the bill collectors or that pending foreclosure. Your silent night might be the doctor's report that says that they found a mass. And and you're praying, you're praying, but heaven is silent. And and, and you just feel all alone in that. But today I want to leave you with hope. I want you to understand what you're dealing with here. Because when heaven gets quiet, you have to understand that amazing things are on the way when the heavens are silent when when there's no prophetic word going out you understand that God is not resting he the Bible says that he doesn't sleep or slumber your God is is not just taking a catnap somewhere just because heaven is silent does not mean that your God doesn't have to have something to say about your situation I promise you he's got plenty to say about it as a matter of fact if God never said another word he's already said enough right here if God never says another word he's already said enough and in his it's his word that will not return void and it accomplishes his purpose and it succeeds where it is sent is what the Bible says And so, God has said plenty about your situation. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. He's already said, he's already said by his stripes, we are healed. He's already said it. You see, God has said plenty about your situation, and he's not a man that he should lie. I promise you, God is going to come through one way or another. And it might not be on your time, but understand God is not bound by time. Therefore, I'm taking off my watch, and I'm going to preach for the next three hours because God... No, I'm just kidding. I don't think I've got three hours in me today, so... God's not bound by time, church. And so he certainly doesn't have to work within our time frame. He created time. Time is subject to him. He's not subject to time. And I've always realized that no matter what the need, my God always comes through. Always. Somebody has to, has to realize this. I want to close with a, a story I've told before, but this time of year, Mandy and I, we, we always... Somehow one of us brings it up and we reminisce about it. And just the other night we were talking about God's faithfulness. And Mandy brought this, this story up, true story that happened to us. Before we moved here, God had blessed us. We worked hard and, and we had had some great family Christmases. I was a very well-paid support staff pastor. The church I was on staff at in Tampa, they took care of me. They took care of my family. We had, we had been blessed. Simply put, we had been blessed. We did not go without. And then we moved here in the fall of 2006, taking a huge step of faith and a significant pay cut. I'm not here to share all the details of that with you, but trust me when I say spending was tight. In December of 2006, after we moved here in the summer, Mandy and I found ourselves in a very tough predicament. We were draining our savings account, trying to keep a home afloat. Now think about the time frame, 2006, the end of 2006, the economy is falling apart. 
we had a house in Tampa up for sale that wouldn't sell. And we drained our savings trying to keep that house afloat. And we had spent almost every dime. We, we were almost completely drained. We had no money to buy Christmas presents for each other or for our children. I can tell you, it was silent. This was our silent night. Like, heaven wasn't talking. And I remember praying a prayer. And I said, God, I've done everything that you've called me to do. I, mo- I uprooted my family. I moved here. And if you would just let that house sell in Tampa, everything would be okay. Everything would be okay. But God, we obeyed. Why won't you let that house sell? I, I don't want to fool you with this story. That house never sold. We ended up having to hand that house back over to the bank during the uh, national crisis. It's not one of our proudest moments, but it was out of our control. And Mandy told me during a conversation that month, she said, we just need $500. She says, if we just had $500, food, presents, everything would be covered if we just had $500. And this wasn't me and her buying for each other. This was just so that we could buy for our kids and, and have you know, a decent family, family meal together for Christmas. And Mandy began to pray. Let me tell you something about my wife. I know I poke fun at her a lot, but if you need someone to pray about something, take it to my wife. Take it to her. Because she has the gift of faith. Mandy began to pray. And she was asking God to provide so that we could have Christmas together. I had a minister friend, a denominational leader, that I invited to speak on a Sunday morning that December. And as I always do at the end of the service after he preached, I took up an offering. And our church was running probably, I don't know, 75, 80 people at the time. I took up an offering. And I'll I'll be honest, I was a little embarrassed by it. But it was all all we had, all we could do. Very tough times for people. And I, I gave him $200. And I think I rounded that up. So we wrote him a $200 check for being our guest speaker that day. That was his honorarium. Not nearly what I wanted to do for him. But it, he didn't seem to mind. I, I knew that he wouldn't. Just a wonderful person. And then he and his wife invited us out for lunch afterwards. We ended up going to the old macaroni grill. That was on the front of the Oak Mall. If you remember macaroni grill. And um, money was tight for the church. And usually we'd take our guest speaker out to eat. I didn't have any money. I'm like, Lord, just, just provide, just provide. You know, when I give them the card, please, please don't let it be declined, you know. I didn't have to. He insisted on paying for the, the meal. I said, no, 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 you're our guest. Please. He said, no, no, no. Let, let me and my wife pay for this. We love you guys. We're proud of y'all. And we sat at that table and we fellowshiped for a while. At the end of the meal, his wife slid a Christmas card across the table and said, here, we, we wanted to give you guys a Christmas card this year. Slid it across the table. We said our goodbyes. We got in the 
the car. They hit the interstate heading back to Tampa. We started driving down Newberry Road heading back to Newberry. My wife opened that Christmas card. There was $500 cash. And these people had no idea what we needed. God had provided. Listen, it doesn't matter how much God blesses me with. It doesn't matter what my current financial status is. It's, it's those moments of humility that will always come to my mind during seasons like this. Because my children never knew that Christmas was on the line. God had provided. During one of our darkest financial seasons, God had something to say. God always has something to say. And he's already said it. When the world was dark and void, God spoke and said, let there be light. And there was light. You fast forward to the New Testament and when the the world was once again dark and void and, and the heavens were silent, the voice of God broke through that silence with the cry of a, of a baby, of a child. A baby that would grow up to change everything. God is speaking. And he's speaking to your situation right now. When heaven seems silent, trust and know. God's word goes forth and it doesn't return void. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.